In times of crisis, war, plague, pestilence, people throughout history would turn to religion as a means of comfort. But how do they do that when the pastors, priests and ministers are having to obey the same rules as the rest of us? And how do they, in turn, reach out to their respective flocks? That's the challenge faced by Glenn Innes, pastor of Portobello Baptist Church. Since he arrived, he's been doing his best to build on the work of his predecessor by opening up the church to the community. But now its doors and that of the cafe are closed. But that doesn't mean that he can't find new ways to help, and not just for members of his own congregation. For, I guess, near 2,000 years, church pastors have spent the vast majority of their time with their congregations, like face-to-face, in their homes, meeting with them, praying with them. And now we can't do that. And so we've had to be inventive in the ways that we can do that. And also, I mean, it's driven us to, I guess, ask the question of what are the critical things we need to do and how do we do those best and are there other ways to do that? So how do you reach your congregation? I guess we've had two real concerns. One is around the congregation still feeling like it belongs to a worshipping community, that there's something of the communal aspect to it. And so last Sunday, we had a gathering on a programme called Zoom. So we had 40 households, or 41, sorry, households participated. We had about 70 people on the call And uh, we did a very different kind of Sunday service, but we did a service of worship. And it it was, I I must say, it was better than I expected it to be. I had a pretty low bar, but actually it it was good. So were you actually able to interact with each other? Yeah, we were. So it has its limitations. With that many people on the call, if everyone speaks at once, it's a big rammy. But we had a, you know, the actual service part of that. We had a a laid out structure of the service and so we had various different people taking part. It went well and then at the end we went round everybody and gave them the chance to give a greeting to the rest of the congregation and did that. So we're experimenting with that. We're going to do slightly different things this Sunday. I mean I would want to extend to your your listeners the opportunity to join us. You know there's lots of, so last week we had probably about 25% of the people on the call were visitors, people who were just dipping in to see what it was like. And it's maybe never been easier to go to church. You can keep your baffies on and your dressing gown and uh, click a link on a website and off you go. There was a bit of interaction and it seemed to work quite well. The other side of your role is not just taking the service. It is delivering a service to individuals. That must be even more difficult because you cannot sit beside somebody. Absolutely. That's definitely been a big issue. And, and and recognizing that while technology provides some of the means by which we can do that, so for a particular group of people who are very comfortable with technology, so our younger families that we have in the church, and, and even actually some of our older folks that have maybe worked in environments where they had to use technology, we've been able to do that using Skype or Zoom or FaceTime or whatever. But we're very conscious that particularly the marginalised, particularly elderly folks, particularly those who are perhaps a bit more impoverished, don't have access to some of those technologies. And so we've been very keen to make sure they don't feel out of the loop. So we have a system of calling folks in the church and making sure that they're well connected. This week we're going to be sending out a newsletter around the church and making sure that 
that all those in our congregation who are able to receive that can. We're just figuring out whether it's reasonable to go and hand deliver those through people's letterboxes. I don't know if that fits within my key worker status role or not, but we're, we're just, so we're just trying to figure out how we can do that sensibly, but also recognizing that it's deeply important that people feel connected at this time. And, and you know, for those who are in the church, that's, that's definitely important, but it, it's true of the wider community as well. And so, we're trying really, really hard to do that. So phone calls, text messages, and obviously technology where it's at all possible. Could you be actually delivering the newsletter simply by email? Yeah, so the vast majority of them will go out by email. But what we're recognising is that there's a small proportion of people, about 10% of our church, don't have access to email, don't have access to the internet, in fact. So we're conscious that they don't feel cut off because for those of us who have internet access, actually, we're drowning in information at the moment. And I'm not sure it's actually helpful for us. I think I've, I've had a number of conversations this week with people who are really struggling with anxiety in the midst of this, which of course is is quite natural, but encouraging them to stay away from some of the internet stuff has been a helpful conversation for them because we're just drowning in information. But we're very conscious that there are some for whom there is no access at all and we're really really keen that they don't end up feeling distance the mail's still running i mean it's slower but that's fine so we might end up reverting to snail mail for those folks and we'll just pop it in the post and they'll get it a few days after everyone else and that'll be fine but it's a way for people to feel connected beyond just the telephone calls and such like so are you keeping in touch with for example stuart weaver sophia marriage father jock We have a Zoom call this afternoon with the four of us to look at how we are not only doing our own churches, but much more importantly, how we are thinking about our wider community, those that are not currently engaged with the church, and how do we serve Portobello? You know, that's one of the practices of our church at the Baptist Church is that we exist to serve the community of Portobello, and all the other churches would say something very similar to that. And so we're asking the question of how do we serve the wider community as well in the midst of this time of great crisis for everyone. The four local councillors for Portobello and Craig Miller see it as a key part of their role to be available to their constituents. They hold regular surgeries, they meet people in the street, they try to help solve people's problems. But right now they too are in their homes with the city chambers and council offices closed with the exception of essential services. They too are returning to technology, programmes or apps such as Skype and Zoom, as well as text and email to maintain contact, as I heard from Councillor Callum Laidlaw. Like any organisation, the majority of people have been asked to to work from home. If they can, that includes us councillors. There is is a focus on delivering the sort of key services like waste collection, making sure things are safe and perhaps um, some of the the sort of longer term projects have had to be put on hold. And I think that's forced the council to reorganise, reprioritise, use more technology to enable it to continue to function. And that has been a challenge, but I think I've actually been very pleased that the, the council has responded very speedily and perhaps we've created, in a way, some efficiencies through this process. So we are still delivering for for the people of the city. But how is it impacting you as an individual? Because you were a member of uh, a number of committees, for example. We're sort of fortunate for the moment that we are approaching Easter recess. So April is a quiet month for the council. But as an example, following the 3rd of March Education Committee, we were had a, a follow-up short-life working group to determine some of the issues around the, the third-party grants 
process. And we held a meeting using Skype last week with the elected members and officials. And, and bar a few technical glitches to get it off the ground, it worked very well. And that was an official council committee meeting. It was minuted. And there is the, the potential to use technology, certainly for, for the short term. I'm also on the licensing board. The licensing board was going to meet this week. It was decided that because of the, the situation, also the, the fact, obviously, that licensed premises have largely closed, that it wasn't necessary to meet in person. But we have now digitalized the process for urgent applications. Um, so previously, people had to go into um, an office in city chambers and sign bits of paper. That can now be done remotely by councillors. That's an efficiency for, for both the, the council officers and the councillors, which hopefully will continue once we go back to normality. Fingers crossed. Now, you mentioned the city chambers there, but a lot of the council officers actually work down at Waverley Gate or at various offices around the, around the city. So presumably it actually makes it easier for them to communicate with you and, and vice versa. It does. And I think the council has been moving a bit fairly slowly towards um, a process where we can do more meetings remotely but there is still prior to the coronavirus crisis there was a sort of feeling that that meetings even if they're very short should be face to face and often you'd have the situation where officers would be traveling into a meeting in the city center and might spend more time getting there and getting back than they would at the meeting and i personally didn't think that was hugely efficient so i think going forward hopefully we'll be able to use skype or 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 just you know playing phone calls to have to have meetings where previously it would be scheduled as a face-to-face but i do think that there's obviously merit in having face-to-face meetings too but it's striking the right balance and i think the council is probably getting to a place where, where many businesses really are where there is a greater flexibility and i think that benefits everyone from a personal point of view though it's part of the job description of a councillor that you do have you, know, you do things like holding surgeries you do uh, get to political meetings as well you have face-to-face meetings with with the public from time to time so that presumably has all been almost closed down that has been closed down and I, I think quite rightly so people can still get in contact and you know a large amount of, of correspondence I get is through email or indeed phone calls so my, my office phone is now diverted to my mobile but it, it is a challenge um, often even with the, that that sort of engagement you are then following up with a meeting with someone or going to look at a particular issue that can be a challenge but I think it, hopefully this will only be for a period of, of, of a few months and there are again you know the council has responded by things such as at Edenhelp on on Twitter, where people can tweet a a picture of something like a broken streetlight or some offensive graffiti, and that will then be logged and registered, um, and someone will go out and deal with it. But that would then prevent having to have a face-to-face meeting between either a councillor or indeed a member of the council team, which would not be appropriate given the, the current circumstances. From personal experience, I know that Twitter system works very well. It does. It's one of the real successes, actually. But the fact is that not everybody is on Twitter. Not everyone's using smartphones. So the the council does remain open for business as much as it as it can do. And I would encourage you know people who want to get in touch with with myself or indeed any other elected member. That certainly I'm still working. I know we are in an extended recess, but I don't see this as a, as a holiday by any stretch of the imagination. I'm on top of a, a number of issues, and and also there are certain things where the council you know elected members have to question um, decisions being made. For example, I'm at the moment trying to get some clarity as to who we are defining as a key worker in Edinburgh. That was something that in Scotland local authorities were to determine and it's it's still not quite clear you know elected members should be doing their job to work with the officers and it was and you know this is a difficult challenging time but also to make sure that things are 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 moving forward and and where there's something that where there's a question mark i think it's our duty to 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 ask those questions i've had constituents contact me about that particular issue so i'm now asking the question of senior officers 
You hinted that uh, you were hoping things would return to normal in relatively quickly, in a few months, for example. But it sounds to me as though there may be a new normal. It may not be quite as it was before. You have to look at the, the, perhaps the, the positives that can come out of it. And I think, yes, that, that new normal could be more flexible approach and more technology being used both you know to enable better working between elected members and officers but also perhaps to to open up greater engagement with with communities as well i think it would be nice if we if we got back to some degree of normality ahead of the summer but this is a clearly a, a, a continuing and and fast moving issue and i think what we have to do is look at how we can continue to function and a democracy needs to continue to function despite this terrible disease callum is volunteering to deliver shopping to vulnerable people. And we know of groups being set up online to do that and more, such as taking people to medical appointments. I'd like to hear from them and from those being helped. For instance, those over 70 whose network was previously provided by, for instance, the Portobello Old People's Club or the Rotary. Some of them live on their own and don't have family to turn to. I'd also like to hear from groups who can't meet physically but are using the internet to get together virtually. That's what the community choir and a writing workshop are doing. Then there are the local shops. How are they coping? Are any using online sales? That's certainly what Porty Bookshop is doing. So if you know of people with a story to tell, and we can use the technology, Skype or Zoom, to tell it, then let me know. You can reach me on Facebook or Messenger, on Twitter or by email at theportypodcast at gmail.com.